Hey everybody, it's Talking Truth with your wonderful hosts, Dan Whitney, also Brian Clark. Special guest, my wife, Kara Whitney. How you doing? <laughs> She's very, she doesn't talk that low. Well, you're doing your low voice. Okay, I'm the I'll low do, voice Oak Ridge voice. today. Hi. She's, Hi, Dan. She's been on a low-voiced Oak Ridge kick uh-huh. lately. Everything's, you know. <laughs> everything's low-voiced. <laughs> Hey, the the title we're talking about today is Amazing Grace. Brian wanted me to sing the songs. That's not going to happen. Mm. Um, um, but uh, as always, Brian will uh, read the text and then we'll comment on it. Hopefully uh, you're getting some out of this. Um, this is, we're all going off uh, Brian's book, God's Not Like That. It's a great book. Uh, we encourage you to uh, pick one up, check it out. Um, but does the word discipline mean punishment or correction? And uh, how you answer that question has a lot to do with how you were brought up, and how you were brought up has a lot to do with how you view God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So we'll let Brian do his thing, and then we'll chime in, and hopefully uh, this will help some folks out. That's what we're here for, talking truth. Brian? All right, here we go. Grace is one of those topics Christians talk about a lot, but I sometimes wonder if we really understand what makes grace so amazing. I mean, we sing about it, we talk about it, but do we really live like it? The standard operating system of the world is a performance-based system. It roots all the way back to Genesis. In the beginning, we were created to find our significance and value in being rightly related to God. But after Adam and Eve sinned, they were evicted from the Garden of Eden and away from the presence of God. Now separated from God, they had to determine a new basis for their significance and value. This was done by functioning as their own gods and seeking to make themselves significant by their own performance. And of course, performance is measured by competing and comparing with those around us. This is the operating system that drives the culture around us. This is what religion is all about. It's about performing in some way for God in order to gain favor with him. It's all about what I do for God to earn something from him. People all around the world exhaust themselves in countless ways in hopes that God or the gods will show them some favor. It's basically just inserting God into the world's operating system. But it doesn't work. No amount of good works or religious rituals can make our sin go away. We stand condemned before a holy God because we have violated His standard of holiness. This is why God sent His Son to die on a cross for us. He took our penalty. He died for our sins that He might offer us forgiveness and a relationship with Him forever. Not on the basis of something we've done, but all on the basis of what Jesus did for us. Salvation is a gift of God's grace. It's an undeserved, unearned gift from God. Now that's amazing. So how was grace pictured for you in your home growing up? If your family was like most families, it more closely resembled the world's operating system than God's amazing grace. For example, was the focus at home more about your relationship with your family or about your ability to perform? How were you measured and evaluated? 
Did you have value because you were a good athlete or a good student or because you were funny or popular? Did you feel like you had to perform to be accepted or achieve for your family to notice you? Did you feel pressure to be somebody or achieve or to stand out? Did you have to compete with a sibling that is exceptionally gifted? This performance-based value system then determines the career we choose or the house we buy or the car we drive. We're constantly trying to prove to the people around us that we have value, that we matter. We can spend a lifetime trying to prove something to people who really just don't care. This then gets projected onto God. We feel like we constantly need to perform for God. We need to measure up. We feel like good enough will never be good enough, and we struggle believing God is constantly disappointed in us. We fail to rest in Jesus and find life in him because we are constantly trying to earn something that he has already offered us as a gift by his grace. Or what about this? Was discipline at home growing up more about punishment or correction? Punishment is about shame and guilt and condemnation. It's about parents trying to force compliance in their kids to keep them in line. It's about following the rules or else. This creates a very oppressive environment. But for the Christian, Jesus paid for our sins. We don't need to be punished for our sins. Jesus took that for us. There is no condemnation for those who have been saved by grace through faith. God gently corrects us for our good, but it's not condemnation. It's not punitive. Honestly, how much time do you spend in the darkroom nursing your shame and guilt? I mean, why do you beat yourself up over your sins? Why do you so often feel like a loser Christian believe God must be disappointed in you again? I mean, where did you learn that? In most cases, this is something we learned at home. You'll be relieved to know God's not like that. His grace is so amazing that as a believer in Jesus, you stand right before a holy God on your worst days as well as on your best days. On any given day, you stand forgiven because of God's grace. Your standing before God is not on the basis of your performance, but on the basis of God's grace. Grace is hard to comprehend because it's so contrary to the operating system of the world. I mean, I wonder how many Christians will spend a lifetime trying to earn from God what we already have in Christ. It's not easy to break some of these unfortunate patterns that we learned growing up, but the effort is worth it. Paul writes, it was for freedom that Christ set you free. May that be true of you. So let's bring in Dan and Kara. Let's talk about this. Well, I, I mean, this is such a cool thing. I mean, God's grace is amazing. And like we'd said before, when we were talking about this question, read the Bible, get to know who God is. When you get to know him, you start to hear things like this and you start to understand what God is truly all about. You know, he's not going to hold a grudge and he's not going to continue to ah, come. You know what I mean? He forgives you. 
people that, that I, they, I just want them to understand the Bible. I want them to read it for themselves, the joy that's in those pages. And you won't know that unless you, unless you read it. Get the correct view of God. The only way to get the correct view of God is to listen to him and to get close to him and be with him and share with him. You know, that's that's about the only way to do it. And once you do, you'll go, wow, now I get it. I understand what the truth is and what real Christianity is. Well, just that the line you said, the Christians will spend a lifetime trying to earn from God what they already have in Christ. And I just picture that the prodigal son's older brother from looking in, from the outside, looking in. And I would imagine having some sort of resentment towards the father because he feels he's done everything right. And his brother, who's done nothing right, is getting what he feels like he deserves. uh, As you've said in the past, it's so scandalous. It is scandalous. Yeah. And he's really the older brother is the focal point. Yeah. Because the whole story starts by the Pharisees asking Jesus why he spent so much time with sinners and tax collectors. And that's pictured by the older brother who's standing outside missing the party. Yeah. And it's the sinners and the prostitutes and the tax collectors that are coming to the party because they know they need a savior. It's the only option they have. How would you... If someone's listening and that and they're feeling like that, where they're feeling like, man, I've been doing everything right, and this guy's getting all of this good stuff from God, and how, how do they break up with that resentment? Yeah, that's a great question, Kara. I, I think some of the most difficult people to reach are highly religious people. And for us here in the Midwest, that's a very common conversation is People see themselves as good, they're religious, they go to church, and as a result of that, their thinking is, if anybody's going to make it into heaven, I'm going to make it in. It's kind of, surely God must grade on the curve. So the need for a Savior uh, doesn't really seem all that important to them. You know, they, they, they would say they believe in Christmas, they believe in Easter, but at the end of the day, it's a form of self-righteousness. Right. I was just writing that down. Yeah. And they struggle with the person they see as a loser. Yeah. Like so, the thief on the cross. Yeah. So about two weeks ago, I was. this has been sitting in my brain. So I love that you said that. Um, I, I hope this can stick in someone's crawl that's listening. You know, if you're critical of others, which I think some of us struggle with, and you're judging people based on how they parent or how they're doing this or that, even if it's like, oh, I like whatever. If you sit there and look at yourself, if you draw inward on yourself, you would be buried by the weight of your own self-righteousness. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. We minimize our own sinfulness before a holy God. I mean, to the degree that we actually think a few good works or a few religious works cleans it all up. I mean, that just reflects how clueless we are as to how sinful we actually are before God. You know, there's, there's two ways to avoid Jesus. One is by being really, really bad. But the other is by being really, really good. 
I think that's harder because you mm-hmm. don't see a need. Yeah, yeah. We convince ourselves, I'm okay. But the Bible's clear, you're not okay. You're usually okay if you compare yourself mm, exactly. to someone else. Yeah, which is the world's operating system that we've inserted God into. That's the essence of religion. And you see that when Jesus walked on the earth, when, when God became flesh and walked in sandals, sinners and tax collectors couldn't get enough of him. Right. Right. But it's a religious crowd that didn't want it. And ultimately, they were the ones that spearheaded the movement to crucify him. Mm-hmm. I think subtly, um, can you give some examples of how the, the su- subtly the world um, has this performance-based thing going on? Like, Yeah, so I think it happens at home. It's the default system. So unless you're intentionally... Parenting with grace, it's probably the default system at home, but it's so subtle by wonderful, loving, caring parents. So let's describe it like this. So little Kara mm-hmm. wins the spelling bee. It would never happen, but go on. <laughs> so little Kara no, comes right. home, and mom and dad are so excited. They should be, and they're right. very affirming. Little Kara won the spelling bee contest. And so they have a big supper, and they have a big celebration, and little Kara's picking up on the fact that it seems like my parents are more excited about me tonight than normal. And so later in the week, some friends come over, and the first thing mom says is, hey, did you hear about our little Kara? She won the spelling bee. And Kara's hearing that, and she's thinking, I haven't heard that for a while. Right. Maybe not only are they excited about that, or it almost seems like maybe they love me a little bit more because I performed really well. So then a month later, you go visit Grandma, and Grandma says, there's my little spelling bee champion. Right. Well, these messages get reinforced over and over again that it seems like the better I perform, the more I'm loved, the more attention I get. And that may seem like a little thing, but then when you add to that, that's the voice of the culture. It's sports, it's music, it's grades, it's academia. All the voices are reinforcing this idea that significance comes from my performance. Right. So you're kind of reinforcing a value system that's contrary to the message we really want to deliver. Then, then what happens is little Kara's younger brother, little Danny, mm-hmm isn't nearly as gifted as his sister. So he's not going to win the spelling bee, and he's not a great athlete. And so he struggles trying to measure up to little Kara, but God didn't make him that way. Correct, yeah. And he's not going to get there. So mom and dad say, but little Danny, we love you. We just need to find something you're good at. You're really good at coloring. So you color a beautiful picture, and we'll put that on the refrigerator. So we just reinforce that your significance is based on performance. Let's just find something you're really good at. But little Danny's going to grow up and realize there's a lot of people that color better than he does. Right. So no, nobody's wanting to teach their kids a value system that ultimately is going to let them down. It's just so subtle. And grace is so unusual that that's how it happens at home, and every other voice then is going to reinforce that. 
as kids, if a contrary message isn't delivered at home, it's probably not going to be delivered anywhere in that child's life. Right. See, I'd go to Grandma's house, and they'd always say, oh, there's our little moron. You know, so I'm actually living up to everyone's low expectations. There you go. He's the best moron we know. As Brian mm-hmm. says, have I underwhelmed you today? Yes. That's my gift right yes. there. Well, I didn't have that, but so it's great, I did it. Yeah. Great parents that love their kids, but they need to think about what that message is reinforcing. And I, I think the solution is not to ignore those wonderful moments that we want to celebrate. Well, how should we be responding? You know, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that's, I mean, that hits home because it was the same with our kids. You know, I remember my kids saying, he doesn't, what can he do? He's trying to figure out what he's good at. Oh, you're good at stuff. There's all kinds of stuff you're good at. You know, same thing. Yeah. I literally might have said, go draw a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. this is like killing me here. Well, um, again, I think we want to celebrate those things. Right. But it has to be built on a foundation of teaching that your real significance comes from the relationship, from who you are as my child right. and how much we love you. And then that gets projected onto God. That's the basis of your significance. So you can translate those voices. Mm-hmm. See, that's see, that's good because I remember saying that to him. Yeah. But I've also remember saying, I don't care what you do, as long as you love Jesus. Yeah. Oh, I love you, man. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're picking up trash. Yeah. You just yeah. be the best trash picker you can be, as long 100%. as you love Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly so the right message. So I did say that. Yeah, well, you're on track. Right? I've done both. I yeah. mean, I started that way, and then I ended up going the other way, but only after I saw the hideous picture that he drew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it is hard. It's, it's so it's hard. It's very difficult. But I think you want to celebrate the great moments, but it has to be built on a foundation. The right. significance and value come from being rightly related to God. And I think with little kids, it starts by, who you are as my child, yeah. and then it moves to who you are as God's child. There's so many ways we can screw these kids up, Brian. Yep. <laughs> it really is. So many. <laughs> and yet God trusts us with them. So, But you train them up. Yeah. You train them up knowing yeah. him. Teach them over and over. Yeah. Absolutely. In the grace parenting, I, I have been intentional about that. And, and uh, the disciplining and... Um, why it's boundaries it's not rules god's puts boundaries there to keep us safe because he loves us yeah um and my kids do understand that in fact i remember one night tucking our son in and him being very worried that one of his classmates wasn't loved and his reasoning was because his mom and dad let him do whatever he wants Mm. and i thought okay so i am communicating this yeah but it ebbs and flows yeah we're correcting Yes. We're not punishing. Yeah. What do we need to remember, too, on those days where we've completely blown it? Yeah. Because I will say, when our our son uh, hit 14 years old, I thought, I've completely messed this kid up. And, um, yeah, we've had to put some discipline on that, and now he's a completely different kid. Um, So now I feel a lot better. But how do we... I mean, on those days when we just feel like we've totally blown it, I've literally been like, man, I 
why did, did you give me this job, Lord, because I'm screwing this up. So if we broaden it out beyond the parenting to just in life on those days when we've made a mess of something, we have to remember that on the basis of God's grace, I stand right before a holy God just as much on my worst days as on my best days. So I don't need to wallow in shame and guilt. I don't need to beat myself up. But I run into the presence of Jesus and know that he loves me and he accepts me because he has forgiven me. That's, the, that's what makes grace so amazing. If we'll do that on our worst days, then I think we'll have less worst days and continue to grow to be more like Jesus. Hi, Kara Whitney here. I love it when I get to be part of this podcast with Dan and Brian. It's really fun, but I also learn a lot, and I hope that you do too. Now, before we go, Brian's new book, God's Not Like That, really speaks to all of us about the right view of God versus the God we learned about from our family. No family is perfect, and we know that, but God can redeem all of that and give us the abundant life that we long for. So if you'd like a copy of God's Not Like That, please visit talkintruth.com. That's talk with the letter N, truth.com. That's all for now. So be sure to subscribe and don't miss one single episode. Are you still talking about his book? Let's go. I can't help it. It's so good. Get her done.